Hi, I'm Dr Anthea Rhodes, paediatrician and co-host of a brand new podcast from the Royal Children's Hospital. It's called the Kids Health Info Podcast. I'm Lexi Frydenberg. Like many paediatricians at the Royal Children's Hospital, I contribute to the popular Kids Health Info online fact sheets viewed across Australia and the world. And I'm Margie Danchen. It's going to be fun hosting the Kids Health Info podcast with these two good friends of mine who I've known for a very long time and bring you some practical and accurate advice on common health issues in kids. In our first episode, we'll be dealing with COVID-19. And we've got episodes lined up on fevers and colds, headaches, tummy aches and many more. We'd also love to hear from you, the listener, about the things that keep you up at night when it comes to your child's health and well-being. But the producers of the podcast weren't happy with us diving straight into the health issues. They said the audience needs to know you better. And we agree. So today, we're at the mercy of the producers. They've written us a list of questions and we're not getting out of here till we've answered every single one of them. So stick around and find out how we did. And while you're at it, subscribe to the podcast because we have lots more coming your way. Okay, team, here we go. From the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. Okay, so here we are for our first podcast and there's some questions lined up for us. Lexi, tell us about becoming a parent. Certainly once my first child was born, I was in for a big shock. I also thought I'd done paediatrics. I knew what I was doing. I had no idea. I certainly learned a lot from my maternal child health nurse and my friends as well. Um, So that was with my firstborn. By by the time I had my second child, I think I felt I knew a bit more, but every child is completely different. So, you know, new issues arose with feeding and um, postnatal issues for myself. By the third child, I think I was very relaxed and... um, you know, he's a very different personality than the other two. So I think becoming a parent has been an incredible experience, but not without its hardship. Lots of people ask me, you know, why on earth did you have four children? And I have to be honest, I I never set out or we never set out to have (laughs) four children, but I did love um, those early months. And I know lots of friends have shared with me that they really didn't like those early months of a newborn. I couldn't stand. I have to be (laughs) honest. I loved those early months with a new baby. And then as they became those, you know, gorgeous, chubby, crawling little six and nine monthers. So so different for everyone, isn't isn't it? it? And, you know, I've got other friends who say they love them now, their kids more than ever now that they're teenagers. And I'm not sure I would 100% agree with that. (laughs) Um, But I I think uh, for me, becoming a parent was, was sort of like falling in love every time I had this child. I'm not saying it was easy, but it was a really joyful experience. Mm. I did have to work very hard, though, at persuading my husband to consider having a fourth child. (laughs) You you got your way, Margie. It took an extra year. I have a nice, neat gap between the first one and two, and and then the last one was, uh, yeah, another three years before. Incredibly (laughs) rewarding, but incredibly challenging. Yeah, very much so. What about you, Anth? I had my kids before I got into advanced training, so... My advanced training in paediatrics, which normally takes, people may not realise, sort of three to four years, took me seven years. I did get a letter from the college saying that you know I'd have to do some extra <laughs> if I didn't hurry up because I had my kids along the way and I took a full year of maternity leave with each baby. And I, I, I did, not that it was easy or without challenges, no. but it was a time that I really loved. Um, but how lucky are we in this country that we yes. can potentially take yeah. longer maternity leave when you compare, you know, to other places. We mm. are lucky if, Very if lucky. we have that choice. 
years. That's Although right. I think in different professions and different social and family situation, it varies a lot. It does so, hugely. And not that everyone... Not everyone wants to be at home for a year. No. Some people would like to get back to work yeah. and their partners and that's absolutely stay home. Fine. That's yeah. right. Yeah, no, that worked for me. It worked for us as a, as a family. Um, and I really also enjoyed the babies and still do and love, you know, time on the nursery and still holding yeah, other babies and seeing patients when they bring in a little baby. I'm still clucky every time I see one. Um, but as they get older too, my eldest is now 11 and just entering that sort of tweeny, teeny phase. And that's pretty exciting too, seeing them yeah, grow up gorgeous, and, isn't it? in different ways. It, it keeps getting better, harder and, and challenges are different, but better as well. Well, I can't believe I'm actually in a situation where my eldest is in year 12. Wow. And will have finished school at the end of this year and will be potentially going to university next year. That's a really amazing, you know, Transition. thing to look at and just yeah. say, wow, nearly 18 years ago was my first baby. So, Margie, have you always got it right as a parent? I can categorically tell you that that <laughs> is a no. I, I Thank you, look... producers, for that question. <laughs> I think it's always interesting to look back and see, you know, what you might have done differently oh, yes. or, or, or things that you would have, you know, that, that you haven't got right. And I think actually owning that is really almost empowering and mm. saying, well, you know what, I didn't know what to do uh, in that situation or I really wasn't sure. Well, what would you say? Anne? Yeah, look, I agree. And I can think of different moments. One of the things that, that in the very early days that um, when we certainly didn't know what on earth we were doing, we had a, co- a couple of quite interesting techniques or tactics where we definitely didn't get it right. One was around <laughs> white noise, which, you know, is well established as, a, as something that can help babies settle to sleep. And in my days in the Unsettled Babies Clinic, I certainly gave a lot of advice about <laughs> white noise. And so my very unsettled sort of um, six-week-old baby who had a little bit of trouble with cow's milk and was really quite irritable, I thought, we needed more white noise and so we had one night my husband and I had rigged up a hairdryer with a series of extension cords underneath the cot <laughs> and and left it running and I was quite sure this was going to you know be a great solution to the crying baby but in in fact it sort of burnt out and started to smoke oh my so God. we potentially almost started Thank a God fire. For white noise apps now. So I know. Well, I was having walking with a girlfriend the other day who's got a five-month-old baby, and she pulled out this contraption that she called the Shusha, I think, that she just clicked and sat next to the baby in the oh, pram and I went to sleep. It's a lot and easier than the smouldering hairdryer. Definitely so, dodged a bullet. Yeah, there. look, there's absolutely moments like that uh, when I look back. A girlfriend of mine told me her story not so long ago about how. They had to sort of pat their baby continually and they got so tired of reaching awkwardly over the side of the bassinet that they filled a glove, a rubber glove, with rice (laughs) and actually attached a sort of stick to it so that they could just use the glove. I could just visualise it. If I reflect more recently, I think some of my biggest challenges uh, has been with the teenagers and, you know, if I think of of my daughter who's now 15 and just, um, you know, being unwilling to accept that, you know, when she was particularly upset about something that she had a point of view and I was, you know, trying to um, override her and uh, be right. And in fact, you know, sometimes your kids are the biggest teachers in Mm. terms of just step back and Mm. listen and allow them to, you know, express their point of view and and have an opinion and and become independent. It's very challenging, I think, when... Letting them make mistakes and watching it, even though you feel it's not what you would do, 
that's how you learn. You learn and kids learn from yeah, making and mistakes. And it's really hard, I think, as a parent. Mm. And letting them and see you make mistakes right. as well and Absolutely. own mistakes and, and sort of um, be vulnerable and imperfect, yeah. I think, is important and really hard because you feel like you have to get it right and you're trying yeah. to show them what needs to happen yeah. oh, and that they're safe and you're strong and that you know. Yeah. But, in fact, they need to see those weaknesses too so they can yeah. see Absolutely. how yeah. you work through it. Yeah. 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 And I was once told a great quote, give yourself permission to be human. And I think that really rang true, particularly as a doctor parent. You know, we're human. We make mistakes. Yes. Our kids make mistakes. Our partners make mistakes. That's okay. So if you give yourself permission to be human, then, you know, you'll let it slide a bit more. I had one moment in, um, as a junior doctor, when I picked my two youngest kids who were very close in age because we had a very surprise arrival of our second baby um, from the staff creche. So there's a creche here at the hospital where you can take your kids and that's where our children were. So they were probably two or one and a half and just over two. And I had been in the behaviour clinic Mm -hmm. with a family and giving a bit of a talk about tantrums and how to manage child behaviour and then gone rushing from clinic to collect my children and stepped into the lift. And they were both a bit fractious, particularly the oldest, and within the space of a few minutes they were both on the ground in the lift sort of having a tantrum. And, of course, the doors opened and in-stepped the family... Been in perfect clinic, timing clinic with me just half an hour or so before, and I, I was sort of standing there and very human and yeah. very vulnerable at that moment, and thinking, Oh, how God. true can life but be? But actually, was probably the most helpful for that family. Look, it really was. And afterwards, and you know, the next time, and they were am- amazing about it at the time, and you know, we all sort of had a laugh and, and just joked about, Well, this is life. Yeah. Mm. And the next time I saw them in clinic, the mum said, Oh, that was the best thing that happened. Yeah. That you did you will deal with tantrums as well. <laughs> exactly. So this is for you, Lexi. Why did you choose to work in children's health? Good question. I always loved being around children and when I was a medical student, I thoroughly enjoyed my rotation in paediatrics. And I decided then and there that I wanted to help kids and help families and kids want to get better and their families want them to get better. And for me, that was completely different than some of the areas in adult medicine where I worked. So that's what made me choose paediatrics. Yeah, I have to say it was quite similar, actually. I was in fifth year and I started my paediatric term and it's literally like I fell in love with paediatrics. And I distinctly remember this gorgeous kid who was quite sick and was attached to an IV pole and we ended up running up and down the ward with the IV pole and I couldn't believe just how uplifting it was to work with kids and just how honest they were and uh, yeah just really enjoyed it right from then I think. The story for me is a little bit different. I was actually a really sickly child and spent a lot of time in and out of hospital um, with severe asthma mostly and I was so inspired by my own paediatrician as a child that from uh, well before I even, even knew what medicine really involved, I made a decision that I was going to be a doctor and I was going to look after children. And no one in my family was in medicine, in fact, hadn't been to university until I went to university. Um, but that became a goal from a really young age. Yeah, that's amazing. I never knew that about you. There you go. I must say I also really loved when we were students um, exposure to babies and maybe that's why I ended up having four children of my own. (laughs) Um, But very much just sort of fell in love with being around children and looking after kids. Didn't sort of feel like work almost. So next question, Lexi. Okay. 
Margie, what are the essential qualities you need to work in children's health? Well, that's a terrific question. I think really you've got to love children. You've got to love being around kids, how unpredictable they are, that they don't follow the, the recipe book, if you like, um, the way you examine them, the way you interact with them and, and play with them. So I think loving kids, but also really wanting to connect with families because obviously children are part of, of their family unit and, and part of their sort of broader family. So I love that, actually. I think the qualities you need not only to connect with the child are, are also the quality to be able to really um, listen to and understand their family as well. Mm. I agree. I think it, it's as much about families as it is about kids. And I think sometimes when we're interviewing, for example, junior doctors who might be wanting a job at the children's hospital and they talk lots and lots about how much they love kids but don't mention anything about the family, you sort of think, do they really understand what this specialty is about? Because it is so much about understanding the parents, the yeah, siblings, the extended family, even other things like the school or the childcare, the whole environment that that mm. child is working yeah. in. I would say one of the essential qualities is patience yes. and passion. Yeah. You've got to be passionate and a sense of fun and positivity because... You know, if we're enjoying ourselves and we're feeling positive and really wanting to help that child, they'll feed off it and the family feed off it. Um, so I think passion, positivity and... And not too precious, I think, because yeah, kids will patient. tell you how it is. Exactly. <laughs> They're brutally yeah. honest. And that's, you know, the beautiful thing about it. There's yeah. none of the, you know, niceties that you might get in other environments. <laughs> kids will just tell you straight up. Brutally honest. And but we love it. You have to be you know, happy in that environment and, yeah, not too precious. And perhaps another one I would say is kindness. Often there is a high level of stress and concern and, and so just being kind and allowing people to sort of not necessarily um, behave or react in the way that you might expect. Yeah, compassionate, mm. I think. Yeah. So you see people at their most vulnerable being, you know, a parent ourselves and listeners out there too. You, you know that you're most vulnerable when your child's not well. So you have to be able Absolutely. to support families through that. We often see a lot of these qualities in our colleagues as well. Yes. If I think of the other, you know, um, nursing staff and allied health staff and paediatricians that we're fortunate enough to work mm. with, they have these qualities. Mm. And I think that's another reason why we love what we do. Absolutely. Is the people we get to work that's with. That's right. That's why the workplace is so nice. Yeah. If these qualities are important across health broadly. And, yeah. You know, they are a big part of healthcare, but I think in paediatrics yeah, we they select do them out even more. Yeah. yeah. But the next question's on the screen. What's it like working at the Royal Children's Hospital? That is, that is such a lovely thing to reflect on, given that I first started working here in 1997. So that's 23 years ago. It's a long time. I was 1998, so I was one year behind you. So we're feeling very old right now. I think it's an incredible... I feel like it's a family for me now, mm. the Royal Children's Hospital. I, I would struggle to work anywhere else for, for a long period of time. Mm. I think it's really great and I have worked overseas um, and done a fellowship in Canada and, and travelled as part of my research work because um, I do some work in global child health. But I think being here and knowing the um, clinicians and, and the allied health staff and the nursing staff here for, for so many years is mm. incredibly, we're, yeah. so, we're so lucky. Yeah. We're, and we've I had feel very the, grateful. Yeah, I think so. And we've had some of the administrators on the wards for yeah. our entire time at the hospital so the same length of time we've been here they've been here yeah, and you really get to know people and their lives and their children and families and I think it doesn't feel for me it doesn't feel like coming to work you feel a little bit at home as strange mm. as that sounds so the next question what impresses you about the families you meet every day so Thank much you. so much 
I think the resilience of mm. families yeah. is the thing that impresses me the most. I agree. And maybe that's because we see families when they're vulnerable. You mm. know, we see them when they're challenged, when they're stressed, um, when when they're sad mm. and um, and often when they're happy again. But we see them when they have a lot of need. Yeah. And okay. so... When you see people in that setting, you really see, you know, they dig deep and what have, what have they got And, in fact, bring? it's very humbling, isn't it? Like very. I often might come to work with, you know, my own stresses or concerns or I've had yes. a run-in with one of the kids and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling upset and then I will see a family in clinic and just feel completely humbled as in what, what on earth could I be concerned about? Really, some families have an enormous number of challenges mm. and I have nothing but admiration mm. um, for And I for think most it goes them. back to that positivity. There are... So many parents and families who have such optimism and positivity and they mm. want their child to get better yes. and they will do anything to help their child. And I think that inspires me so much with with the families I've got to know either in hospital or in outpatient setting. And that's what unites people, I think, as parents, that, mm. that drive and motive to do the best for your children. Yeah. And even though that might look very different mm. from one family or parent to the next. And it can be challenging sometimes to, to navigate that and get everyone on the same page. Mm. But at the end of the day, what one of the things that does impress me continually about families is that they, they really want the best mm. for their children. And also the capacity they have to sometimes take on caring responsibilities yes. that they would never have imagined that they could do, like replace nasogastric tubes or manage tracheostomies or, you know, other things that they are asked to do to care for their child if they need to take yes. them home. I literally am just blown away mm. by... Um, sort of the the, the willingness the capacity people, and their people have capacity yeah. to, to to meet their kids sometimes extremely complex mm. needs and that yeah. comes from love doesn't it yeah and so the next question here Lexi is what's the most important thing that every child needs to thrive I think you stole my word but I think <laughs> a child who is loved either by their parents siblings aunties uncles foster carers yes a child really thrives when they're loved yeah, um, and absolutely. you see that time and time again here at the and hospital. Who somebody who believes in them believes and in has, them? has their back and is there mm. for them no matter what. It's yep. that attachment, so mm. you know, which is a word that gets used and maybe can be a little bit hard to understand, but the idea that a child belongs, mm. that someone cares for them, loves them, will look out for them and that they really belong. Mm. It's not about material possessions. No. no. It's really about that emotional investment, yeah. isn't it? Love, support. And connection. Yeah. So, Margie, tell me, why are you excited about making this new podcast? That's such a terrific question to end with because I think I really am excited about this podcast. It's uh, an amazing opportunity to share, I think, all of our experiences with um, with guests around our own personal journey mm. uh, as parents and mums, but also our medical experience and our medical knowledge. And I, I feel that we do have a different lens and mm. something uh, different to offer. And I really look forward to teasing out issues with our guests, talking about common child health issues, having some fun mm. and, and having a laugh. One of the things that I've found as a parent, mum and doctor 
is that you get the tap on the shoulder or the phone call late at night from mm. friends and families, family members who are just after a little bit of advice and you know that you sit in a bit of a unique position and where you can wear the parent hat and you can wear the doctor yeah. hat. And I think this podcast is a way that we can bring that to lots Together. of people, to all mm. of you out there who might just be thinking, oh, I'm not really sure about that. It's not a big yeah. issue, but it's something I've thought about. They're the things we want to talk about. They're mm. the conversations we want to have. Well, that's right. I think we need to tell people that we've got some incredible guests lined up yes. to to Absolutely. share their knowledge and their expertise and their own stories, yeah, as I'm right. sure they will have. So it's and all the guests really we've um, approached so far for Series 1 have been very excited about being yeah. on our podcast. So really looking forward to, to meeting them. It's a good start. Absolutely. So that was our special preview episode of the Royal Children's Hospital Kids Health Info podcast. Next time round, we're diving right into health topics and we're going straight to COVID-19 with Dr Sarah McNabb, paediatrician and director of general medicine at the RCH. Don't miss it. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. We'd love as many people to hear it as possible. And remember, up-to-date child health information is always at your fingertips with our Kids Health Info fact sheets. There's a link in the notes. Thanks for listening. Listening.